Welcome to the uncomfortable truth. We've become a nation of bureaucracy, a nation of bureaucrats. It's getting worse and worse, it seems. Too many laws, too many rules, too many regulations, too many people who hunt typos for a living. We've become numbers, not people. We put chips into machines. Bureaucracy, as I define it, is the triumph of means over ends. Forget about the outcome. Let's make sure we check off the boxes. Now, some countries are worse than others. I mean, Germany is about as bad as it gets. I remember changing money in Germany at the hotel where I was well known because the cab driver was waiting outside. I didn't have enough euros. The woman behind the desk insisted on my filling out a form. I said, look, give me the change. I'll pay the cab driver. I'll come back in and then I'll do your paperwork for you. You know, I'm here. I'm in a suite upstairs. She said, no, no, you must fill this out first. So I did. And then instead of handing me money, she took out her own form to fill out. I said, the cab driver's blocking your driveway. She said, sir, we must do this the right way. Well, the right way is stupid. That's bureaucracy. You know, today, people of high net worth have tax strategies that minimize taxable income. Isn't that intelligent? I mean, that makes sense. I'm not talking about evading taxes. I am talking about avoiding taxes. Yet, if you want to take out a mortgage or a loan or some kind of equity line, it flies in the face of that because all they want to know is numbers ratios, income to the amount of money you want to borrow. They don't look at your assets. I just bought a second house for rental uh, income because I want the carriage house, which is detached, to build a new train set. Someday I'll rent it. Maybe soon, maybe not. The bank, with whom I already have a jumbo loan and seven figures in investments, treated me as though I didn't have enough money. This is the height of bureaucracy. I pulled all my money out of the last bank because they treated me that way too. I might travel again. There's some 25-year-old loan officer, I use air quotes here, sitting in some cubicle who's never met me and doesn't know me and has no relationship with me, just looking at numbers and checklists and deciding if I'm a worthwhile risk. I got news for you. I make more money than the head of your damn bank. But that's what we've come to. My trademark attorney was renewing my Maverick, my million-dollar Maverick trademark. And he ran into uh, an examiner in Washington who decided that, now listen to this, she won't renew the trademark, which I already have, under education and development because she doesn't see enough evidence of it. So my attorney sent her a video of the Maverick series. And she said, this isn't training and development. This is a video of training and development. I said, can we appeal this? He said, you're not going to appeal it to anybody more intelligent. We'll have to work around the system. But this is what it's come to, this kind of idiocy. People don't know their ass from their elbow, and they're in a position to say no and usually can't say yes. Do you know, I visited two clients in California on the same trip. And so I sent them each a photocopy of my airline charges and said, I'm charging you 50% on my invoice. I charge them 50% of coach fare. I fly first class. I absorb the rest. Both of these morons in procurement or purchasing or wherever they are in the bowels of the organization told me they wanted originals. I said, there's only one original. There are two of you. They said, our regulations offer originals only. I said, I'll tell you what. You two decide which one wants the originals and you'll pay 100%. Suddenly they decided they would take the photocopies. This is a degree of lunacy that's hard really to describe, but we've all seen it. We all run into it. I just came out of Staples. 
and there's a little gizmo for the chip on your card, and it should make things faster. It makes things slower. You put your card in, and the, the cashier has to do two or three things. Then she has to ask you something. Then you have to sign, and it keeps saying, wait. It was shorter when they used to tally things up on the side of a paper bag. You know, there's a famous story I read, and it might be apocryphal, but I suspect it's probably true. There's an army colonel sitting in his office, and outside is his secretary, who's a corporal. And a messenger comes with a sealed package for the colonel, so the corporal signs for it. He initials on the ledger, and he goes into the colonel. The colonel says, let me see that. And he says, you don't have the rank. You, not, you are not approved to initial receipt of this. So erase your initials and then initial your erasure. I know that sounds like it's only in the army, but it's all over. The bank wanted to put my wife's pocket change. She makes $3,000 a month. She's an officer of the company, and she's entitled to that as an officer and director. $36,000. They wanted to put that on the loan. I said, I don't care what you do, just put the loan through. So the day before the closing, some other idiot from TD Bank calls me, who I've never spoken to, who doesn't know me, who has no relationship with me, and says to me, I want third-party evidence of your wife's employment. I said, are you crazy? We're co-owners of the business. We're both on the loan. I work out of my home. We're both here. Do you want to talk to her? She said, no, I want third-party endorsement. I said, I tell you what, except I screamed it. You can either accept the fact that she's sitting here and we both own this company, or cancel the mortgage, and I'll pull all my investments out of your damn bank. And then I hung up. Well, she must have called the mortgage people because everybody got into a panic, and they put her in touch with my accountant, and my, the accountant in my firm verified that my wife indeed lives here and is part owner of the company. She was, I don't know what it takes them to close a loan, but they're losing money on that part. We're no longer customers, folks. We're just numbers to them. I was flying Qantas to Thailand. And in Bangkok, all of our bags came off except one of my wife's. And the carousel stopped, so I went over to a Thai employee of Qantas Airlines. Now, it's 1130 at night. There's a limo waiting outside to take us to the hotel. And we've already been there for 45 minutes or so. And I said, our luggage is lost. He said, let me see your ticket. Scans it. He says, well... Your luggage isn't lost. I said, good, where is it? He said, we don't know. I said, if you don't know, it's lost. He said, no, it's not lost. We just don't know where it is at the moment. Now, he believed what he was telling me. But how do you reason with someone like that? You have to slap them upside the head. The kicker to the story is the luggage had gone to London. They rerouted it back. A messenger took it to our suite, and it was sitting in front of me when this guy calls again. And I said to him, oh, do you have information about my luggage? He said, well, no, we still don't know where it is. Yet there it was sitting in front of me. That's bureaucracy. It's never efficient. Means over ends. I got a big kick out of a TSI, a TSI guy the other day. He was being asked about perhaps longer waits now that they're doing more thorough screening. And he said, look, at the worst time in Providence Airport, at the heaviest travel time, we expect the wait to be no more than 20 minutes. And the reporter said to him, well, 20 minutes, you know, a lot of people are going to consider that a long time. And he said, have you ever been to Providence Airport? People wait for 20 or 30 minutes in line to get Dunkin' Donuts. Why wouldn't they wait for 20 minutes for security? That's a good reason, I think. 
TD Bank, I'm back to them again. They needed a binder from my insurance company, Amica, to close the loan. And so Amica gives them the binder. Amica's a superb insurance company, by the way. But, Amica, but TD Bank says to Amica, no, we need this other thing. And Amica says, we don't provide that till the closing. And they said, we won't have the closing, TD Bank said, unless we have it. Catch 22. We won't close without it, yet you don't produce it until you close. Catch 22. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, how you stop bureaucracy. I think this part might be worthwhile to you. First, for yourself, stop focusing on tasks or to-do lists. Make results lists. Determine what you want to create. Determine what the outcome should be. And do that. Stop worrying about to-do lists and little things that might or might not make a difference at all. Triage your customers. The customer is not always right. Not all customers are equal. Do you understand that? Stop spending so much time on lousy customers. Organizations spend too much time investing in salespeople who are subpar. They should be investing in the people who are superb because that's when the biggest growth is going to be. Not bringing the poor up to average but taking the excellent and making them even better. The same thing for your customers. And when I say triage, there are three kinds of customers. There's the customer who complains, who returns things, who's never happy, who takes too much of your time. Fire them. Then next up is the customer who buys, doesn't complain too much, but doesn't do much more than that. And then there's the top-ranked customer, the top-tier customer, and this is a customer who refers other people to you. This is a customer who asks you for special orders. This is a customer you can use as a reference. This is a customer whose credit card and checks are always good. Treat them the best. Give them the best discounts. Give them advance notice. That's what smart companies do. Number three, hire and reward people for judgment. You know how you can't fix stupid? Well, you can't give people judgment. I got news for you. And so find people with enthusiasm and good judgment. These recent debacles at United Airlines, they're not caused by some corporate policy. They're not caused by a board of directors who are conspiring to, to hurt people. And by the way, in a future podcast, I'm going to do something on the conspiracy nuts. It's caused by local people with poor judgment. People on the ground, at the scene, using poor judgment. They weren't hired correctly. They're not monitored correctly. Number four, reward behaviors and not victories. Reward the right behaviors, not just people who win. Otherwise, you'll have some David Mamet play. You know, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, where they'll lie, cheat, and steal, yet they make the sale. Don't reward sales like that. Wells Fargo was in that position. They were rewarding the victories. The behavior was unethical and probably illegal. Same thing with Volkswagen. Same thing with Enron. I worked for a, a company in uh, Pittsburgh called Calgon for about five years, some years ago. And I convinced the president, who wanted more innovation in the company, a water treatment company, you know, but he wanted more innovation. I said, every year at your annual banquet, when you give out the best sales awards and the best new product awards and all this stuff, give out a, an award, a trophy for the best idea that didn't work. And he did. And people got the message. Good ideas are great. The right behavior is great. It doesn't have to be a winner each time. Next, never allow for non-personal major transactions. In other words, if there's a large transaction, a large sale, something major happening, make it personal. Get an engagement manager. See them yourself. A lot of consultants who have staff ask me, 
what they should be aware of, what they should be wary of. And I tell them, I don't care how well your people are doing, you find your very best clients, 10 of them or 20, whatever they are, and make sure you know all those buyers personally. Never just let that relationship be with a subordinate. That subordinate leaves, you're up the creek. Not that they'll steal the business, but that you have no more personal contact with major buyers. Next, get rid of the damn lawyers and accountants. Lawyers are paid to be conservative. If you ask them what the ideal situation is, they tell you, don't open for business. Leave the doors locked, leave the lights off. That way nothing bad can happen. They don't care about profit. All they want to do is avoid risk. And that's why you have all this stupid boilerplate that makes no sense. You ever see the stuff that flashes by you can't even read? The accountants are not much better. They want to fix everything into their little boxes. I was working with Arthur Anderson when it still had a consulting operation before Enron. And I was working, I was working with their, uh, their, uh, one of their practices in uh, Phoenix. And I taught them value-based fees instead of hourly billing. And the managing partner there, it was an outplacement practice, was very keen on my approaches. So he told his people to use it. And not much, uh, not, not, not much longer after that, they closed a $400,000 deal on value-based pricing. But the accounting department wouldn't accept it. They said there's not an hourly charge. They said there's not a time and materials and labor charge. And they were at a quandary. They would not accept the business. So I told my buyer, the managing partner, to go to the head of all the Phoenix operations and tell him he had a choice. He could listen to the accountants and make maybe eighty-five dollars or $90,000 of business, which would fit an hourly basis, or he could make $400,000 of business if he told the accountants to figure it out themselves. Guess what happened? 400000 you know, in the Anderson case, it became very clear that if you talk to people with some judgment and some smarts, they start to make the right decisions. But in vast bureaucracies, there is no judgment, there is no smarts. It's just bureaucrat upon bureaucrat. If you've ever been involved or known about an IRS audit, I'll tell you something. Most of these auditors are not very bright. The best and the brightest do not go to work for the IRS, in accounting, in legal, any place. And when these auditors come in, they will look for something, anything to prove that they closed a case successfully. They will spend $100,000 of taxpayer money. They have all these resources to collect $6,000 from a business that's questionable, but the business owner just can't fight it anymore. That's how crazy this is. In the New York court system, when Giuliani came into uh, the mayor's office and thereafter, Crime in New York plummeted. It's the safest large city in the world, but they never reduced the staff of the district attorney. And so you still had this vast legion of lawyers, and they would take losing cases to court. They would take courses, cases to court they should have settled or they should have just dismissed because it was important for them to get court time because there weren't enough real cases that they could try, and court time was how they got ahead. That's how they got promoted. Bureaucracy upon bureaucracy. You know, I got the name of the CEO of TD Bank in the USA. I told him, if I hear back from anyone else, if he delegates it, some executive assistant, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to leave. And that's because if he acts that way, it's a symbol of what his people are looking at and how they're acting. People don't believe what they read. They don't believe what they hear. TD keeps talking about legendary service. It doesn't have legendary service. It has lousy service. And just saying you have legendary service doesn't make it 
legendary service. People only believe what they see. Employees believe what they see and customers believe what they see. And so if this guy decides not to talk to me, everybody's going to know that and they're going to act the same way. What kind of avatar, what kind of exemplar are you? Are you looking at the result and the relationship or are you worried about filling in the boxes? That's the uncomfortable truth. (laughs) 